as Paul was nearing Damascus on this mission, a bright light from heaven suddenly beamed down upon him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? Asked Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you are to do. Luke 15, verse 11 to 17. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired men have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 8. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, we'll try again. And this time their nets were so full they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were the others with him. Let's give our readers a great hand. The entrance of God's word brings light. We've just heard three Bible stories tonight. Three stories that seemingly have no relationship to each other, but are tied together by just one word. And that word is revelation. God wants to speak to us tonight about revelation. And I want your heart to be ready to hear what it is that God has to say. Amen? Amen. Father, I just ask that you would take the words that I'm about to speak, that you would open up people's eyes, open up people's hearts, and open up people's minds, oh God. Father, touch them today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So revelation is when you understand something for the first time. When all of a sudden the penny drops, it all makes sense, you can connect the dots, and clarity comes in a place of fogginess. And so tonight I want to speak to you about the power of revelation last Sunday night, Pastor Danny spoke about the power of revelation in the sense of let's live in revelation, let's not live in reason. 
Let's live in revelation. So it's when you go, oh, I get it. Uh I get it. Oh, that's what you're talking about. In the stories that we just heard, we see Paul, Peter, and the prodigal son all have a revelation and it changed them. Now, this sermon tonight, some of you may have heard before because it's a sermon that was one of my very first sermons that I ever wrote because it's something I believe is foundational to my Christian walk. The fact that I don't walk by sight, but I walk by faith faith. I walk by revelation, not by what I see, but what God has put in front of me. So it's one of my very first sermons, and I, and I want to say it again tonight, because I believe if you get it, it's going to help you. If it's the second time that you've heard this sermon, well, just enjoy it. You would have forgotten it last time. You forgot what I preached last week. So if you believe what I say tonight, if you can catch, if you get a revelation about what I say tonight, it can actually materially change you. So I want to ask you some questions before we get going. You ever wondered why you are the way that you are? Why, why, why is it that in some areas it's just so hard to change? How is it that, that when you want to be good, you actually end up doing something bad? You, you set yourself up and you say, I'm going to do this thing. You set yourself down this path of action And then all of a sudden, as you look back, you see that it was just good intentions. You wanted to do it, but you never actually ended up doing it. There was no actual action. How is it that you can seem to go so far, but then you don't go any further? It's like there's this line that you just can't seem to get over. I'm almost there, but no, I I didn't quite make it. I I didn't get there. And and like the famous book says, you're, you're trying to go from good to great, but you just stay in that mediocre place? Why is it some people are always in bad relationships? Or there's anger issues? Or there's a young man who can't control his lust? A young girl who can't control her eating disorder? A a housewife who who just gets to a point where she's no control over her spending? Or the husband who just works and works and works and, and doesn't see that he's neglecting his family? When someone can't take custody of their mind and they just fall into this anxiety, paralyzing fear. It's called the human condition. And it's why we all need a savior. For some of us, it's this. And for others of it's that. That's why I can't judge you and say, why aren't you getting over? Why aren't you changing? Because there's something else that I'm trying to work out. There's something else that I'm trying to do. So there's no point me judging you because I've got three fingers pointing back at me. I might be good in that area you're struggling with, but I'm not good in an area that you're not struggling with. And we need a saviour. We need Jesus Christ. We need the resurrection power of God to bring life into that which is dead. Tonight, I want to look at a way that helps us to become overcomers because I believe we can be better. We can overcome and we can be victorious. Tonight, I want to give you that key that's going to help you change and it's the word Revelation. Everyone say revelation. revelation. So until you get a revelation, you'll never actually change. Until you see something, you'll never actually change. Townsend and Cloud, they wrote the great book, Boundaries. It's a wonderful book. If you haven't read it, do yourself a favor and read it. But they wrote another book, and it says, How Do People Grow? And the basic premise of the book, you would really sum it up with this. Without a revelation... People will not change 
and people will not grow. Revelation leads to a number of things. Revelation is the first domino that falls and it becomes a chain reaction. Paul on the road to Damascus, one of the stories we heard, had a revelation and it led to something. He recognizes that the one he sought to bring down was in actual fact the Messiah, the promised Messiah that he'd been looking for for so long. So revelation is the start, but it then leads you to recognition. The revelation makes you see yourself in an issue. You recognize that something needs to be done. Many times we don't even realize that we have an issue or that something is wrong. A revelation comes and all of a sudden I realize that I've got a problem. All of a sudden I realize that this thing is limiting me. I realize that I'm not going any further. I come to a recognition of something. So I want to do a little bit of an illustration and I'm going to put up a picture. And I want you to put up your hand. It's going to come up on the screen now. Put up your hand if you see a young woman. Put up your hand if you see an old woman. Ah, a few of you. Who can see both? Who can't see a young woman? All right. So this is her nose. I was going to bring a pointer. This is her nose. All right. That's her ear. Right? If you can't see the old woman, that's her eye, that's her mouth, that's her kind of witchy nose. Right? All right, so there you go. Young man, old woman. Right? Which one do you see? Right? They're both there, but until you see it, when you see, who can see them both now? Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, you don't know. Now let's have a look at the next one. All right, is the guy looking at you or is he looking to the left? Ah, see, look at that. It's so weird, isn't it? That one weirds me out, right? See, the thing is, when you see it, you see it. But if you don't see it, you can't see it. So he's looking at you. No, he's looking over there. He's looking over there. No, he's looking at you. When you can't see it, you can't see it. Let's have a look at the next one. Who sees a man? I say liar. Who sees a man? I say liar. See, the thing is, is that like there's a man, but if you look at it on the side, it says the word liar. Right? Who can see both now? See, when you can't know, when you don't see, all of a sudden you have a revelation, you recognize something. I recognize that it's a man, but I also recognize it's the word liar. Who wants to see one more? This is the one that you need to see. I want you to see those four dots in the middle. I want you to concentrate on those four dots for 10 seconds. Concentrate on those dots for 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Now look at the black on the wall and blink your eyes. Can anyone see Jesus? <gasps> look at that. I am the ultimate preacher. I've got you all to see Jesus. I can go home now. I've been successful, finally, after all these years. So that's why you can't judge anyone. Someone sees a man, you see liars. Someone sees an old woman, you see a young lady. We can't be judging people because they don't see things as we do. 
See, when we recognize that we have an issue because we've had a revelation, that leads us to take responsibility for the issue. See, until you're willing to take responsibility for the issue in your lives, you'll never actually change. Blaming others, blaming your past, blaming your physical abilities or your mental capacities doesn't actually cut it. Because you'll never change until you take responsibility and agree with it is where you are. It is about you. The buck does stop with you. And that's why getting a revelation is dangerous at times. Because once you know, and then once you recognize, then all of a sudden you have responsibility. And then you need to do something about it. You just can't skip around the issue. You know, Jesus came to set us free. But many Christians just want to be visited in jail. You don't actually want to be free. You actually want to stay in your jail and you want Jesus just to come and visit you and and make you feel better in your jail. But the promise of the gospel is that he'll set you free. That you don't need to be in that prison anymore. That you don't need to be held captive by that behavior or by that thought pattern any longer. You can be free. You know, in some ways it's easier to be in jail because someone tells you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, all of those things. Don't do drugs, don't drink, don't be those things. But when you're out, all of a sudden you've got to get a job. All of a sudden you decide when you go to bed. All of a sudden you decide what you've got to eat. All of a sudden you decide, I'm not going to hang around those people that are going to send me that place where I'm going to do drugs and drink and do those things. The responsibility's on you. And Jesus wants to get you to a place where you can live by yourself in knowledge of who he is in your life so you're not reliant on all these other things. That is true freedom. That is true freedom. The prodigal son, he had a revelation that he could go back to his father. He then recognized that his bad behavior had brought him to the lowest point of his life and he's willing to take responsibility for it. It was going to cost him. He knew that it did, but he still went and did it. That's very interesting. The father didn't ask him to do anything, but he had the attitude, I'm I'm willing to go be like a servant in my father's house. His father willingly accepted. His father said, come on in. But he was willing to be just a servant. That's what it cost him to have that relationship. He took responsibility for his actions. The responsibility leads us to remorse. Look at Peter's reaction to Jesus in Luke 5 verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. All of a sudden, when we see that there's this remorse, who am I? What's going where? I've just got this remorse. Why? How? How did I get to this place? This remorse starts to happen inside your spirit. Now, remorse can be good, but it can also be bad, depending on where it's based. One is making you feel better and be better. The other is making you feel shame and be worse. One leads to repentance, and the other one leads to resignation. Right? Repentance means that you're going one way, And now I turn this way. But it can also lead to resignation. Let me explain. The Bible in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 8 speaks about godly sorrow. We're going to read it. Paul wrote it it because in his first letter, 
he needed to address a very serious situation that was going on in the church. And so now he's rewriting his second letter and addressing what happened after they read their first letter. He goes, I'm no longer sorry that I sent that letter to you, though I was sorry for a time. For I know that it was painful to you for a little while, but now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to have remorse and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have, so you are not harmed by us in any way. For God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek salvation. And we will never regret that kind of sorrow. But sorrow without repentance is the kind that results in death. Just see what godly sorrow produces in you. Such earnestness, such uh, concern to clear yourself, such eagerness, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal. So the scripture here makes a distinction between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And it says if you go down a worldly way, you're going to lead to resignation. If you go down a godly way, it will lead to repentance. Resignation is where you just want to give up. It's just too hard. I'm never going to change. I'm just too bad. It's where you feel like it's so bad or you're so bad that there's actually no hope in going further. It's a sorrow that's motivated by self and shame. It's where you're only sorry because your actions and behaviours have caught you out and now you're in trouble or you feel like you've lost something. It's like the adulterous husband who doesn't actually care that he's hurt his wife and his family and messed up his life, but he's just realised this has cost me so much and it's so painful. It's a sorrow of Esau that God never accepted. Resignation only leads you to a path of further unhappiness. See, I also want to say, don't ever give up on your issue. I don't care if you've fallen again and again and again. God wants you to just get up and repent and get up and repent, get up and repent. Don't give up. See, godly sorrow is where you realize you've actually hurt God and you've broken his laws. I've actually messed up my destiny Godly sorrow leads you to remorse, to repentance. You have a 180 degree. I've hurt God. I've hurt this. And so I go the other way. It's not just because I got in trouble. It's I've, I've just hurt God. So now I'm going to walk the way. And it's in here. For all of you who have felt that godly conviction, that godly sorrow, you will know that it's something that stirs, but it makes you want to run to God rather than run away from God. You start to go, God, I need you, not God, you're going to get me for this. Look at what the Bible says, what repentance achieves. Repentance energizes you. Look at the words it uses, earnestness, concern, indignation, alarm, longings, readiness. Resignation is the opposite. It makes you run from God. Repentance makes you run to God. See, remember that God convicts, but the devil condemns. When God convicts you, you may feel some sorrow, but with it comes hope and desire for change. When the devil condemns, it's all about you, and so you just want to resign and just give up, and it's based in shame. God's conviction is always about your action. The devil's the condemnation is always about you as a person. 
God's conviction always leads to an answer. The devil's condemnation always leads to hopelessness. God's conviction explains. The devil's condemnation um, a devil's condemnation accuses. God's conviction illuminates our paths. The devil's condemnation darkens our understandings. God's conviction feels light and right. The devil's conviction feels heavy and wrong. God's conviction leads to life. The devil's condemnation leads to death. Don't despise God's conviction. I want to say, in actual fact, welcome God's conviction. Welcome it into your life. It's leading you into your destiny. God convicts you because he loves you. And then that repentance leads to restoration. The prodigal son is restored. His remorse has led to repentance, which has now led to his restoration. He goes, let's have a feast. And he puts a ring on his finger and a coat on his back. And he says, my son was dead. He's now alive. He's now restored into his place. And God wants to restore you to be the man and the woman of God that you are. Restoration is changed because you become the person that God originally intended you to be. This is who God wanted you to be, but then that step of sin takes you away from that. And now you come back to restoration. I'm going to tell a story. It's not an easy story to tell. But uh, when I was young... As a young man, I was abused. I was sexually abused. And I didn't think it really affected me. I came to a point, I, I wasn't scared to tell people, but I wasn't going to tell everyone. Right? And, and, and if it needed to come out, I would speak to someone, but it wasn't going to be my first story when I met you. Right? And, uh, and, and it was real, but I honestly thought that I had dealt with it. I didn't think that... Uh, it was really affecting me. I'd forgiven the person. I'd forgiven myself in a sense. Like, and, and, and as weird as that sounds, I'd kind of like, you know, kind of that's it. And I, and I thought that it's fine. It's, it's okay. And uh, I remember I was a pastor. So I'm kind of like doing life. I'm married to Nina. I'm doing life. Kind of doing okay. Right? And... Uh, and I remember one day I had a life group leader, and some of you may have heard this story. I had a life group leader come and speak to me. And she said, I remember when you did this thing. And I go, no, I, I didn't do that thing. No, but you said this. No, 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 I, I didn't say that. No, no, you did say that. Uh, no, no, it's not something I would even say. So I don't even know why you would say that I said that. No, no, it's definitely you did say that. And I go, well, I didn't say that. No, but you did say that. But no, no. And, then so, and in the end, I put my finger in her face and I went, I repeat that as a lie. Probably in the same aggressive tone. I repeat that as a lie. It's my life group leader. I'm Pastor Mark. I repeat that as a lie. She got a cup of tea and she picked it up and she literally threw it over me and stormed out my office. That day did not end the way that I thought. And I'm sitting there going, oh, this is terrible. Right? She's a life group leader. I'm a pastor. This is terrible. This is a terrible thing. This, is good. this can't be happening. And, and, and I had a, I've always had this thing. I've always thought to myself, Proverbs says, you know, like the first one to tell the story seems right. Right? So I made a decision and I'd always live by that. If I'd done something wrong, I'm going to tell my boss before anyone else can. 
right? So I rang up Pastor Ashley, and his wife answered the phone. And I'm ready to tell him, this is what happened. I'm sorry I shouldn't let this happen. I'm happy to apologize to her. You know, I was just full of that. I was really happy to do that. His wife answers the phone, and as I hear her voice, I literally just break down in tears. And I just start crying. Not, you've all seen me cry. It's not a big deal, right? But, <laughs> but this, isn't, this is crying uncontrollably. Like Jane told me, she goes, I thought Nina had died. That's what she thought. That's how, I, how it was so convulsing in me. So she hears it's me, those of me has got my name on the phone, and I am bawling my eyes out. I am completely just undone. And I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Like I just, I am just undone and I can't get control back. Right? I can't stop crying. I, I can't. And eventually, I, I, in the tears, and I, I can say a little bit of what happened. And then Jane, bless her heart, just goes, this is a result of abuse. And I was like, oh, we're going, right? And I didn't see it. See, what had happened? And if I look back over the years, I'd always have conflict with people who accused me of something that I didn't think was right. If they said something about me that I felt was true, I'd take it all. You can say anything you like. I'm humble. You tell me I want to change. I want to do that. But if you made what was I felt a false accusation or you called my character or something into question, I, I, I just couldn't handle that. And I would always launch out. And I'd had a number of kind of like incidences in my life where, where, where I just kind of like launched out and just with anger and just total venom, just kind of like launched on someone. And so depending on who you were and where you were, some people I'd treat like a little mouse. Yes, yes, it's fine, it's fine. And with others, I'd be like a lion and I'd just be, ah! And it was really what happened is that someone had abused me. Someone had perpetrated an injustice upon me. And because I didn't like it, from then onwards, I decided every time someone perpetrates an injustice, I'm going to fight that. And if you say that, I'm going to fight you for it because I'm, you can't say that. You can't say that. And I thought that's how everyone was. I thought that's just what you do. If someone falsely accuses you, falsely says this thing about you, of course you stand up for yourself. Of course you take up your rights. Of course you do that. But it was a response. And so what happened is that I was always going to be limited to how far God could take me because all it needed was the enemy just to bring one person in my world who was going to accuse me or do something, and all of a sudden I'm going to blow up. And, you know, it's something I still have to deal with. But that day I had a revelation. I had a revelation that made me recognize that my behavior wasn't good, that it was going to stop me. And, and, and what happened is that it made me take responsibility. Even though the injustice was perpetrated upon me, I was the one who's going to have to live with it. I'm the one who has to do 24-7 hours. I have, to, I have to live with what happened to me. It wasn't injustice. It wasn't my fault. It was horrible. It's not fair. It's not right. But I had to live with it. I still have to live. I still have to breathe. I still have to be a husband and a pastor and a, and a, and a father and all the different things that I am. I still had to do all those things. Yet 
that had happened to me. So I had to take responsibility. And that responsibility let me understand that, that I was acting badly to some people. And depending on whether I thought you were above the line or below the line was what person you were going to get. Are you going to get the lion or are you going to get the lamb? Are you going to get the lion or are you going to get the mouse? Which person are you going to get? Because abuse had kind of done that into my life. And so I remember just sitting there having this sense of remorse. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to have broken relationships, get so far and, and in my workplace, get so far and then all of a sudden allowing this thing just to ruin me and take me back and, and do that. So I had this sense of repentance, this sense of I'm not going to do that. I understood that I didn't have to fight someone who made a false accusation against me. I understood that, that I didn't have to kind of like just do with that injustice all the time, but I could actually see that God was going to do with that injustice. I was able to put it in God's hands and it came in me, this energy to decide that is not going to define me. That is not going to define me. Now, let me tell you, every now and again, I love to say that I've been perfect since that day, but every now and again, like something will start to happen and I feel that start to rise. I feel that start to rise. I've been really good for over a year. And then last Saturday night, I got mad with someone, right? So it was like funny. He's got, oh, come on, God, right? But what happens is that like, I've been restored. I'm living the life that God has for me. Yes, there's going to be some times and some things, and when you have abuse and those things happen in your life, there's always going to be some measure. There's going to be a measure of limping, so to speak, but it doesn't mean you can't live God's best life. It doesn't mean, see, the thing is, is that I can get angry like I did on a Saturday night a couple of nights, weeks ago. I can do that, but what I can do is I can then repent again and say, God, I'm sorry. This remorse comes, leads to repentance, leads to restoration. You know, like now I've got another situation. And this is the brilliant thing. This is where God's just a genius. Nina says something to me. It wasn't Nina I was mad at. Nina says something to me. And there's something that is coming in, in my future. I can't talk about it just now, but there's something that's coming into my future. And if I have that, I can't do that. And it's very interesting that I've done so well for a while. And Nina said, what my fear was, that if that happens, but that's still there, how's that going to go? And all of a sudden, I had a fresh revelation. And God showed me, hey, you need to sort this out. Now, because of that, I've repented and I've taken responsibility and let me tell you, when I get into that circumstance, that isn't going to happen no matter what is said or what is done. Because I've now got this feeling, I go right there, it starts there, and I can either say, let it go, right? or I can recognize that I might be right, but this is making me wrong. And you know what? It's okay to be wrong every now and again. It's okay for someone to accuse you wrongly. What did Jesus do when he was accused? He said nothing. Could have called down a legion of angels, but he said nothing. He gave them his back, gave them his arms and his, his hands and his feet to be nailed. Revelation leads to recognition, leads to responsibility, leads to remorse, leads to repentance, leads to restoration. Tonight, there is a way out for you. 
You can change. You just need that first domino to fall. Maybe the band could come. Tonight can be the beginning of an aha moment. You know that word moment? It's a moment at Emerge Church. You know, I've been around a long time, 40 years a Christian, 24 or 5 years in ministry. And you can sense a moment. Sense when a moment is happening. You can sense it, can't you, Ken? There's something in the spirit right now that's happening over Emerge Church. And when you've been around a little while, you, you start to smell it, you start to recognize it, you start to see it. And the church is at a point now where there's, there's an opportunity for a moment. You know, sometimes I think, and I look at where Emerge Church is at, and I think if where we're at, after all we've gone through for the last three years, then where are we going? What has God got for us? When we on a Sunday night, as we're just leading, can all of a sudden just see the older fool with people just on their knees, having a moment. Maybe it's revelation. Maybe it's a, a thing of repentance. Maybe there's a sense of remorse. Maybe whatever it is, but it's leading them somewhere. And I pray to God all the time and say, God, I feel there's a moment. I feel that you're doing something in the Spirit. Help me. Help me lead this. Help me lead this so we don't miss it. So we don't miss it. God, I, I need your help. And there's a moment. But it starts with a sense of hunger. And that's what God is doing. He's doing it in individual lives, in individual ways. And I don't want you to miss out because it starts with a revelation, maybe a word. You know, today I was having lunch with someone and they've told her to take this course of action. They felt it was the right course, but it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big decision for them to do. They felt to do it, so they're going to do it this week. They got a word from God. They got revelation. And as they go through this thing, there's going to be tough days and hard days, but they're going to be able to stand because they've had a revelation. They're able to go through whatever it takes because they've had a revelation. You don't need to be suffering all of those things. Yes, you've got to take responsibility. God will be kind and give you the moment, but there has to be some movement. There has to be that sense of like, I'm now going to do what I need to do. I'm going to take responsibility. You know, when I was praying about the moment, movement, momentum, I felt really clearly it wasn't God just like a, a, a parent getting their teenager out of bed at 11 o'clock on a Saturday, right? Get out, you lazy thing, right? Like just, you know, like it's this kind of like, I've got all this for you. It's time to stand up. It's time to move again. It's time to stir your spirit. You know, tonight God wants to reveal something to you. Even as I speak, something settling in your soul, you may not really understand it yet, but there's a direction that's been set in your spirit, set in your soul. You want things to be different. You want a revelation. So what revelation do you need that's going to say goodbye to that addiction? to change that destructive behavior, to live as God intended you to live? What can God show you about yourself that's going to get you maybe that promotion in work or, or that next step in where you want to go? 
that people would take you seriously and listen to you. In a relationship, instead of blaming him or her, what is it that you can do that's going to change the situation? Tonight, God wants to make the ceiling that's crushing and stopping you become the floor that you begin walking on. So you don't have an addiction issue tonight. You have a revelation issue. You don't have a relationship issue tonight. You have a revelation issue. You're not doomed to keep repeating that cycle again and again and again. One revelation from heaven can change all that. You don't have a financial issue. You have a revelation issue. And you can get out of anything that you're facing tonight with one revelation. The entrance of God's word brings light. We were in darkness today. All of a sudden, a light came on in God's word. A globe, a light came in. You may be in darkness today, but a light, and his name is Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst men. See, without a revelation, you're just doing to keep repeating the problem. So I'm going to pray for you tonight. And you may not get the revelation tonight. You may get it Tuesday morning. You may get it, as Pastor Joe said, as you just one day close the door and say, God, I just need you. I just need you. I'm going to pray for you. And if you're fair dinkum, I love that Aussie term. I reckon it's a Christian term. Right? If you're fair dinkum, if you really mean it, God will move heaven and hell to get to you. If you really say, God, I want a revelation. I want a change. I want something because you can't do it by yourself. Concentrating on the problem just makes it bigger. I'm not going to get drunk. 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 What are you thinking about? Getting drunk. So let's kind of instead start to look to Jesus. Let's look to the revelation. Let's look to something else. And all of a sudden, that's not so attractive anymore. All of a sudden, that's not gripping my heart anymore because my direction has been changed. I've repented. I've been going that way, but no, I'm now going this way. I'm looking at something else. I'm looking at the revelation that God has come through. God will show you through the Word. God will show you through a person. God will show you through a, a, a circumstance. But you'll know that it's God. It, 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 God has a way of speaking to you. That is just that you know. You know, I, uh, it, it, it's, it's so important. I remember meeting a guy, and I, have to have, I definitely have told this story before. But he was a bikey. He was a rebel's bikey. And uh, he'd involved himself in some pretty bad things. It's, it's hard to actually be a patched member. There's lots of kind of hangers-on, but to be a patched member. And he had no idea of the Bible, didn't know anything. He didn't knew, I've never met anyone so illiterate about the Bible. So he left his wife and he'd gone off with his stripper and he had this romantic idea that somehow bikey and a stripper was the perfect couple. And he came to church one night and, and we're talking about the things and, and I go, look, I can't tell you about Jesus. I can't prove to you, Jesus. You actually just need a revelation. You need Jesus to be able to show you. So he's going, okay, I'll, I'll do it. 
I'll do it. And I said, but you've got to be dinkum. You've got to be fair dinkum. You've got to really do it. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Right? And so he uh, goes with his stripper girlfriend to Kangaroo Island, which is just a little island off uh, Adelaide. And they have like a weekend there. And he goes, I remembered what you told me. And he goes, I'm literally driving on the road. I've got my stripper girlfriend next to me. Right? I remember you told me. All right? And uh, he goes, so I'm driving down the road. He goes, I come over a hill. And he goes, I just see green. Then I see uh, Backstairs Passage, which is the uh, kind of the water between the mainland and Kangaroo Island. And he goes, and then I see the mainland in the distance. And he goes, I just got it. He goes, I just saw God. I just saw that it was real. You know what he did? He drove straight to the ferry, got onto the ferry, dropped his stripper girlfriend at her house, went back to his wife, went back to his kids, got out of the gang and is now working just as a uh, home renovator. But people pay their bills. No, but... uh, um, (laughs) One revelation changes a life. One revelation. So just ask God, God, I need that revelation. And if you dink him, God will show you. God showed him through one picture, one vista, one panorama, but he knew it was God. Couldn't deny that God had spoken to him. Couldn't deny that God was real. How good is that? That's a great story, isn't it? Father, I just pray, why don't you stand... And I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Jason to just lead us in worship. And I'm going to open up the altar. And if you want a revelation, just come and ask. Just come and seek. Just come say, God, I need you. Be fair, dinkum. Be fair, dinkum. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. You'll be amazed at what God can do. You'll be amazed at what God can do. Thank you.